it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. Yes, we've reached that time. It's free agency. It's a draft. It's the 2024 season. We can't wait to get stuck into it. Who's going to be moving where? Mitchell Trubisky. We have to touch on that. Loads of stuff going on in the NFL. And I'm going to do all that and more, probably, with um, a, a group of cohorts that Luke has broken for different reasons, as you can imagine. <laughs> Paul Mitchell, Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness is back from Las Vegas. His voice isn't, as you're about to hear. I think it's been delayed. I assume your voice is coming back through BA, so you'll probably get it in a taxi 24 hours from now, delivered I, to your house. I, I, Unlike the other people in this podcast, and yes, my voice does sound... So this is why I didn't join the podcast last week, because believe it or not, this is good compared to what it was like last Wednesday and Thursday when it just was non-existent. So, uh, but my flying experiences with BA are usually pretty good, apart from that one time that I got delayed for about twelve hours in Heathrow. Um, and yesterday was tremendous. I will, I'll tell you this: the the one uh, piece of advice I will open this podcast with: if you can ever transit through an American airport, I hate Chicago. It's always an absolute nightmare. I transited through Dallas-Fort Worth last night and I connected from one terminal to another from getting off the plane to getting on my next plane and I think the whole thing took six minutes. They've got like this tremendous like post-security um, Skylink and it like there's two two stops in at every terminal. You hop on and it fires round and it lets you off and you're you're close to your gate. It was so did you have a two-stop flight? Back last night, yeah. So, because I only had one stop on the way out, but coming back, I did two stops so that I could upgrade my um, travel from premium economy to business with points. Because I couldn't, okay. they, they, there were too many people booked on the Vegas one. So, in in this podcast's ongoing commitment to our carbon footprint, Paul Mitchell will eat only avocados for the rest of the season. Um, the beef's out, the vegetables are in. We've got to think about the environment, Paul. So Gordon's ruined it for us all. <laughs> he certainly has. I mean, British Airways, to be fair, usually think about the environment with the number of flights they cancel. So I'll put it to them. Given you took an extra stop, Gordon, does that mean that your carbon footprint was bigger than Taylor Swift's? <laughs> I, I would be intrigued to find out what the difference in my carbon footprint is because, like, it was a shorter second flight. I just never looked into it. It's a... What do you mean? It's a short. Yeah, but there's a whole extra flight. Yeah, but, but I mean, takeoff, landing, lots of fuel. I think. Burn. Yeah, the okay. takeoff bit in particular is probably where most of the damage but, is done. Pro- probably, it, but both of those flights were taken off yesterday anyway. Like I didn't book <laughs> private fucking flights, did I? All right. Like, well, <laughs> any any, uh, any aviation experts? Please send your uh, answers in to C Hobbs. <laughs> anyway. We jest as well at the top, of course. I know fine well the uh, the free agency chat will come in future podcasts. We've got a Super Bowl to talk about, uh, a podcast I haven't been looking forward to. But hey-ho, there you have it. Do you know what? Let's be honest. Let's start with the game as a whole. It was a slow starter, but turned out to be a classic Super Bowl. It was the second to go to overtime, and it was the first under the new rules. But there you go. So... 
a fascinating game. Lots to take away from it. Ultimately, three out of the four of us had radio appearances and one of us was on Radio Row for the week. So, you know, we've all been out mixing it up. Lots of people picking the Chiefs. Um, I don't think unsurprisingly, because of the X factor that ultimately was the factor of the game, uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? The dynasty is confirmed. The facts of the matter is he's going to win... Uh, He's got to win more Super Bowls than Brady. And so that, that's going to be the interesting thing, right? So I feel really confident now in the fact that he is a better quarterback at his peak than Brady was at his peak. However, I don't know that anyone's going to be able to come close to Brady's longevity. The fact that he went to 45 to win the extras. Um, but Mahomes doesn't need to have mobility in his game to be a threat. Like, he's got it, but he doesn't need it. Like, Manning and Brady didn't have mobility at all and never utilised it. But I feel Mahomes doesn't need to lean on that. Like, Brady won his third Super Bowl at 27. Mahomes is 28, so he's a year ahead. Brady then went 10 years without winning a single Super Bowl. There's no way we're going 10 years without Mahomes winning at least another two. Well, we don't know that, and the problem we don't know is, it. But... Well, we don't know that, and the thing is, I think that the competition now it could be said certainly in the AFC is more intense than it was when Brady and Manning were at their peak. I mean, the only in the AFC at that time you had Ben Roethlisberger, who don't don't forget one two of his own, and really then Rivers. there was a drop off. Yeah, there, R- there was, Rivers probably Rivers, but then Rivers even never you know he made it to the championship game once. Yeah, and the, but that, he was he was which is extraordinary. The... This so, is the era we're in. Like, hmm. and, you, and you will get, right? So we've already seen Joe Burrow got one against Mahomes. So that group of Burrow, Lamar, Josh Allen, maybe CJ Stroud's going to be part of that group as well. Like over the coming years, uh, those guys will sneak a win or two against Mahomes in hmm. the playoffs because that's what happened with Brady, right? You, they won't be perfect the whole time. So that's, that's where I think it's going to be interesting is I, I don't know that he will have the career longevity to match Brady's numbers. But I do think, like, their peaks, I, I think he's proven now that he's better than Brady was. I mean, he's... Also, was... Sorry. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a change of coach as well. Andy Reid's not going 10 years. So there's going to be a change of coach at some point in Kansas City. So, you know, there'll be an interruption as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, nothing's guaranteed. I mean, it's the old one. Everybody thought Dan Marino would be back at Super Bowl, never got back. There's just too many stories of people not being able to get back to that game to guarantee that you'd beat Brady. Do you know the worrying thing, though, I think for particularly AFC teams is the fact that this, if you look at it in the cold light of day now, was not the best Kansas City team that we've seen. Not the best offence. Certainly not the best offence. It's the best defence we've seen since. Aha, but then this is the point that I I was going to make, is that there's this this theory that offence... A great offense beats a great defense. And I think if you look at the, the league as a whole this year, has this been a vintage NFL year full of you know, full of plays from an offensive perspective and full of records from an offensive perspective that we, you know, will look back on forevermore? I don't think it has. Defenses have actually, if you think about it, have come back a little bit. And ultimately, the great defense beat the great offense at the end of the day in the Super Bowl. And so the scary thing, I think, for AFC teams in particular is that an, a, a Kansas City next year, their offense is likely to be better than it was for the majority of yeah, this season. It will be. The, the other thing is just like, so the Chiefs don't make the Super Bowl this year 
um, without that defense, right? Like the the defense shut down the Ravens' offense so that because between the second half of the AFC Championship game and the first half of the Super Bowl, Mahomes went like sixteen drives without scoring a touchdown, which is the longest stretch in his career. But the defense just was able to like hold the game, basically put the game on pause until he was able to, you know, in the Ravens game, it was getting going early. In the Super Bowl, it was like getting going later on. It's just some of the stuff he does, like the, some of the, like the sidearm throws, the the scrambles. I, he's probably the best scrambler in the NFL. He's not the best rushing quarterback in the NFL, but he's just such a good, pure scrambler. And he's paired with one of the greatest offensive play, play callers there's ever been. Yeah. Some of the some of the play calling at crucial moments, especially on that drive that ultimately won them the Super Bowl. You know, there was a there was a fourth and one there, and that you have to make that. And they call a read option and he runs 15 yards. You've got to know intimately every single thing that how an offense works. And and you've got to trust he, he trusted his best player, Andy Reid, at the end of the day to pull out the goods and that's what you do and we'll get on to the opposition and there were times when I don't think they trusted who their best player was uh, at certain points but Mahomes is he was the best player on the field and when the, the you know when when it came to the crunch Andy Reid knew that he was able to rely on him you made a very salient point about the fact that it is a lower it's not been as offensively hot 21.8 points average scored in the 2023 season. Since 2010, only one season has been lower. That was the 2017 season where it was 21.7. We go back to 2020, 24.8 as an average, full three points, which is quite a significant jump. Um, that could be potentially because of the number of quarterback injuries we've seen. There might be a little bit in that. It, it, is, it is partly to do with that. It's also like one of the other reasons why Mahomes and the Chiefs offense struggled is what we saw this year was defenses going with more two high safeties and it creates like a more boring brand of the sport because it slows down offenses. It prevents big plays and, you know, it makes things a little bit harder. You have to win in the middle of the field. You have to win in smaller chunks and stuff like that. And what's quite funny, I think, is you look back over the course of the season and it slowed down every offense in the NFL. But when it got to the playoffs, all it did was kind of stall the Chiefs until a point. And then in every game when they needed to, they were able to come up with the plays. I just think Mahomes, those final few drives, you know, they were, the game might have not even gone overtime if not for a couple of plays. Like I think Fred Warner had the, I think it was a pass breakup he had in the corner of the end zone to Kelsey. Um, if it wasn't, it was just really tight coverage that was very similar to the touchdown Kelsey scored on Kyle Hamilton, the AFC Championship game. Good coverage, but like the pass is just right there. Just, the the chemistry between Mahomes and Kelsey, it's just so ridiculous that at the start of the playoffs we were talking, not we were, because I thought it was utterly ridiculous, but folk were talking about Kelsey being done. Like, absolute nonsense. He It took a while to get going, though. I think that... I, I People were talking about him being done. It's too much. He definitely, at points through the season, took a step back versus where he was, but I think that that is an outcome. He's 34. It's age, it's age so. and it's also he is become more and more of the single primary target. So you mark him and people start to figure out how to deal with him. Uh, and I think that, actually, do you know what? I feel like if we start getting into the game now, where things started to really 
go off the rails for the Niners on defense was when Greenlaw went out. Because I actually felt that Warner and Greenlaw were doing a good job of preventing the space, which was that little dink over the top that you see them utilize all the time. And I thought it was the linebacker position more than anywhere else where we were playing really well. Um, losing Greenlaw, it's not an excuse. It's a reason that things might have gone sideways. It's 100% a good reason, though, because so like, so if you look at some of the stats from the game, one, I thought watching it that Fred Warner played really well, and then I saw the stats at the end of the game, and he allowed like nine catches for 77 yards on 11 targets. I think most of that came in kind of like the fourth quarter quarter and and overtime. Again. Again, yeah, but, but the Chiefs never—you can never write them off. This is—I mean, no. look at the whole Buffalo Bill, the thirteen seconds. There's—it's yep. not just the Niners. This is every team in the NFL. You can't give Mahomes. And let's go back. I mean, to be honest, this was Aaron Rodgers like seven years ago, six, seven years ago. You yep. knew if it was in Aaron Rodgers' hands, there was a chance that the Packers could still come back and win it. That's exactly what you've got with Mahomes. He's got the accuracy, the athleticism, the ability, the targets what needs to be done to push it down the field and he knows how to do it because he's done it time and time again. Yeah. Um but Bur- Burks did really struggle. Like Burks was probably yes. the worst worst the fall off the, field. the fall off uh, linebacker depth is yeah. is terrible. I've moaned about our secondary loads, right? And it's because there's very, there's no depth there. Apart from Ward, I don't rate anybody. If Greenlaw and Warner are on the field, great. But you know, you can give them a break and swap someone in every now and then and you might give up a bit of change. Uh, but losing him over oh, such a stupid freak little tweak of his Achilles, brutal, absolutely brutal. But hey ho, um, these are the margins, right? These are the fine margins in the game that either fall for you or fall against you. Uh, the the punt return, let's talk about that. The the punt, sorry, hitting the heel, and obviously the mess that Just was. Luck, uh, yeah, th- that's an unfortunate one. Player, you know, possibly shouldn't have got that involved that close to where the ball's going to land. But these are the margins that make the difference. I mean, if if you look at the the margin, and you know, talk about the the missed extra point, yeah, you know, that's that you know that could be looked at, but that I don't think takes away from the fact that San Francisco, at the two minute warning, had the ball, and they could have stopped Mahomes from ever getting the ball back, and that's the way that they could have won the game, and so you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, um. And this is, I am not, I'm not on here tonight, Cameron, to kill yes, Kyle Shanahan, but I can. You won't kill think, him. He'll be back next year. It's well, fine. exactly. Um, but I think, and the, the reason that I say, I think that this, this, if he's going to look at anything in the off season, I think he's going to look at his decision-making at this play in particular, because it, it's not like he had 30 seconds to make the decision. It was a two minute warning. They're on the, they're on about the 20 or the 25 or the 30 or thereabouts. So they're within striking distance and it's third and four. And, it did make me think about all the stuff we've talked about um, going for it on fourth down and playing four down football and Dan Campbell in particular. And at that point, they throw it, they try and hit a slant and it, it doesn't come off because Kansas City blitz. They know that Kansas City are going to blitz. They've got to convert somehow in four downs there because if you do that, the Chiefs have got two timeouts left. They never see the ball again. And then you hit the field goal, you walk away, Happy days, 1916, thank you very much. Now, it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I would look at that play. That is the one moment in the game whereby you can guarantee Mahomes never sees the ball again. Because when you go to overtime, you know the overtime rules, or you should do, and you know that there's going to be two possessions. And what do you? how do you negate the possibility of Mahomes killing you in a game? You don't give him the ball. Yeah. So for me... I look at that and I think, why are you, why are you, why is that? That's a poor play call. 
because if it's if it is Dan Campbell, what he's doing there is he's running it twice to, to try and yeah to try and to, make it to, and, fourth he, and, and at the very worst, you're making it fourth and short, and you're killing a Kansas City timeout or they're, they're letting the clock burn. And yeah. they didn't do it, and they didn't look for McCaffrey there. Why do you not go to your best player in the park? I, I, I agree, and I think that's the 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 one thing from this that I put at Shanahan's feet. Uh, and and again, where it's frustrating is this is something he should have learned before. Um, uh, hang on, what were we what were we put at Shanahan's feet that he didn't get the ball to McCaffrey enough? Yes, he had eight targets and how many? Twenty two, twenty two carries. I think, it, I think he got it. Yeah. He got it loads, but he went away from the run at times where he probably should have. They were running that. the ball. They yes, couldn't indeed. run the ball. They couldn't I agree. run. The Chiefs' defense was really good. I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to go the opposite way for what Shanahan got wrong. All right. Okay. The opposite thing they got wrong in this game was the Chiefs are a heavy. Um, man defense, and if you look at their target distribution, Debo Samuel got eleven targets. He only caught three of them. Brandon Ayuk got five targets for three. Brandon Ayuk all season long has been one of the best man-beaten um, receivers in the NFL in terms of coverages, and he just didn't get the ball anywhere near enough in that game. And I think it's because Purdy didn't get the time. And I think if you look at the Ayuk catches through the season, it's where the line has protected Purdy yeah. a bit more. And do you know what? And let's talk about Purdy briefly. I think that he is not Mahomes and he's not anything like that player at all. But I think that I saw a lot of real upside in there that there's a player that we can move forward with. He he can win a Super Bowl. I don't think that is in doubt. But I actually thought the Chiefs did an excellent job, McDuffie in particular, a really good job of breaking up the passes and interfering with play. I think the the... The scheme on defense was the difference here. I thought both defenses played well. And again, the Niners, when they lost Greenlaw, went downhill and in the fourth quarter, it really fell apart. But the, I, I agree. I wanted to see how you get more. And Debo was just not 100%. He wasn't playing well. And then he pulled his leg. It's like, Jesus Christ. And how many uh, yards did George Kittle get in that game? I don't know. Four, I think it was, yeah. officially. And I'm sorry, <laughs> if he is an offensive weapon still, You've got to find a way to get him in the game. But because the offensive line, sorry, the defensive line was pushing so hard and so heavy coming for Purdy, he didn't get the chance to. He was on block play most of the day. And that was because of the way that the Kansas City defense set up. He wasn't getting open. There was a couple of times here and there, but for the most part, I genuinely thought what they did was... I they, thought he played they very made, well. They made, they made Purdy throw. They put him under pressure. I think he coped with it for the most part. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions. He was fairly clean in that sense. But it really was, um, there was no time. There was a lot of pressure. They, he had to pick his options. They, they uh, did and it go limited to, things. They did go to Kittle, though, on the fourth down they went for. Yeah. Which was properly ballsy. And I'll know one member of this podcast who claims that he is vocal even when the fourth down decisions work was silent about it in the chat. <laughs> Silent just now too. He's oh, just he's... back in from his dinner. He's sitting in a food coma. You're talking about me. I I was I was out on an evening with friends. I was trying to stay off my phone, so I didn't want to put anything in the chat. Um, let, let's talk about Purdy there. I, he didn't lose you the game, and I yeah. think you know that that was the concern of some. Um, didn't I win it. Granted, no, he didn't win it, but he didn't throw it away. Yeah. Um, I, I was with you. I was slightly puzzled by the use of some receivers. I was slightly puzzled by. I mean, I said to this. I said when Charles and I spoke, 
even if the 49ers had the lead, Shanahan would be haunted with a chance of being overhauled and would go into his shell. And he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, you, you know, I would, you know, you talk about the, you know, the third and four and the two chances that you've get. That's effectively to win a Super Bowl. It's in your hands. Yeah. Um, I th- I still think the turning point was the was the kick clip in the heel, um, because it's Kansas weren't doing much, but you can't galvanize them. It yeah. gave them that opportunity to score the touchdown. Galvanize them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were always going to, I mean, it was, it was 20 yards out or something. They were always going to go in from there. And I just think that hit the 49ers mentally. And I think Shanahan did go into his shell. Yeah. And, and it was unfortunate. I mean, Gordon, you were obviously there. Did you get a sense of the atmosphere changing in the stadium after that? Or was that just something that... No, because that... it, it felt like it just went like back and forth. Like So it felt like the first half, it almost just felt like we were suspended in this kind of like hour and a half 49ers are getting too much pressure on the Chiefs offense but the but the 49ers offense can't actually get enough going to to kind of really stretch this out and then as soon as the Chiefs started scoring the 49ers were answering back right like the Chiefs took the lead off the the um after the muff on the punt but the 49ers go and score and take the lead again. And then you know, we bounce back from leads and ties and all those things. So I, I I, didn't think Shanahan did retreat or was scared away by anything. Um, I just think it became a game whereby, like, it just came down to what Holmes could do in the end. Like, And that, that third, like, <laughs> I almost think that third and four is just better play by the Chiefs than it is anything bad by the 49ers. Like, Steve Spagnuolo now should probably be known as one of the best big game defensive coordinators of all time because he's done it repeatedly. Was that four times he's now won the Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator? Yeah. Um, and at least a couple of them have been like absolute masterclasses. And, uh, and the last three games snuffed out the Ravens who've been tremendous on offense and really kill, killed the run game there as well. Um, forced Lamar to throw and the Bills like the Bills had made more of it but ultimately fourth quarter killed it when they needed to they They, put Josh Allen off his game and made him fling it and make him make mistakes and then same thing against the Niners they they have this ability on defense and they did it they did it against the Dolphins they did it against the Bills the Ravens and the 49ers whereby they just really frustrate you they don't allow big plays to come easy at all and it's incredibly difficult. You get incredibly frustrated and then offenses start to force things. Yeah. And that's where opportunity think, comes. Yeah, right. I do. I do, though, think I think you've got to know. You, you know that the blitz is coming. I mean, that is the biggest that's the biggest play of the season right there. And so, I mean, I'm not an offensive coordinator and Christ, I hope no one ever appoints me, but. It's one of those whereby surely there must be something in your locker if you're anticipating that that's coming, and that's that's the thing for me that I think I think it was a slant to Joan Jennings for crying out loud. You need to be getting it to your best players in the key situations. Yeah, and McCaffrey had thirty touches in the game. Now that on paper looks like quite a lot, but I didn't. It didn't feel like that because he 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 touched the ball five out of the first six plays, and then he fumbled it. Um, I mean, I forgot that Mahomes threw a horrible interception just after half time. Yep. Yeah. You know, so they were given loads of chances, San Francisco. Oh, yes. And, yeah. And, yeah. This is, and this is the, this, I think, long term, if you're, and, you know, just going back briefly to Hashan, 
you're going to have to look at yourself from a kind of coaching psyche perspective and say, do, what do I, what, if anything, do I need to change about the way in which I coach in big games? Because, you know, he got away with a couple in the playoffs, all right, against teams that were not as good as Kansas City. He didn't get away with it this time. And he is going to face a team in the playoffs next year because they'll get back to the playoffs that might be better in the NFC. Or he might get back to the Super Bowl and he'll face a top quality team from the AFC. He has got to look at crux situations. What? How, how do I handle that as an individual and as a head coach? That, for me, is his learning out of this. And I think that that's the gap he's got, right, is... I don't think that is his gap though. Like we're coming no. off a game, we're coming off a game whereby they've lost in overtime and they've lost like the Chiefs scored what five seconds left in overtime. So if the Chiefs don't score a touchdown in that play, they're probably kicking. Yeah. Right? Because because yeah. I'm pretty certain the clock runs out in overtime, right? If you don't I think with the rules, yeah, I, but I you could, run, it runs into a second quarter of overtime. No, I no, no. I, I don't think it does. Only if you tie it. You have it has to be tied by that point, I think. Because they've had the chance to possess the ball. I think if it hits the end of the 15 and you haven't scored, the 49ers would have won that game. So I think they would have had to have kicked the field goal if they didn't uh, get it. Well, I mean, look, that, it appeared to me that they were completely in control in that final drive, Kansas City. They, they, they were. Exactly what they, they were by doing. that point, yes. But, well, that's, so, I, so, but, Are we going to talk about the overtime rules? Yes, well, that's, what, that's yes. what I was going to say. So talk about the <laughs> overtime rules thing, but I, I kind of think Shanahan was right for two reasons. One... The defense was gassed the drive before overtime. They, if he put that defense out on the um, opening drive of overtime, I think the Chiefs waltzed down and score because they were absolutely gassed on the previous drive and there wasn't enough time for them to rest. And his point was we wanted to be the team who touched the ball third because we're assuming that the Chiefs score a touchdown. So we, we need to go score a touchdown which maybe should have changed and he should have actually gone for it on fourth down instead of, you know, just kicking the field goal in overtime. That's probably more of a criticism. But they wanted to be the team that got the ball third so that you can go down, you can kick it, and it's a game-winning field goal at that point. Now, the flip side... Similarly, at that point, I'm just going to add, Mahomes hadn't marched down the field on us and scored a touchdown. He'd scored one touchdown where he got the ball on the 20-yard line in the red zone. So I think even that psyche of we're going to score a touchdown, they're going to score a touchdown. I think it would have been fair to assume we've been holding them to kicks. All we need is at least a kick. We get the ball third, and all we need is a kick again. We don't actually even need to score a touchdown, and we can win it if we've got the ball first. You can't do that if you've got the ball second. And So there, there is a logical thread to the outcome, and I think the context of the game comes into play. If this was a slugging match where you'd been scoring touchdowns left, right, and center, I think you would then pick the other way round. And I think you would go, right, well, we'll take the second touchdown because we can then decide, are we going to go for a two-pointer and kill it? And that's what the Chiefs were going yeah. to do, right? Like yeah. the Chiefs, because the Chiefs, um, I did see, so I just saw a tweet. Um, let's see if I can find it. But basically, uh, while you're looking, yeah, sorry. Basically what it said was that, so Shanahan actually said before the game, because um, afterwards he said that he and the analytics team discussed the decision well ahead of the Super Bowl, but they didn't talk with the players about it other than to like tell them what they would what they would choose, right? Like at, at, at the moment they told them. And then there's a quote then from him on Thursday where he says, I'm always making contingency plans that I'm ready to tell them if things go a certain way, but there are only so many things you want to put in their head. We're done with that. They're just waiting to see what we open up with and I'll study that, et cetera, et cetera. So basically like, 
the idea that the players didn't know what they were what they were what the reasoning behind stuff was is absolutely true but it was because he was like look the players are thinking about 85 different things they don't need to head in overtime worrying about oh we need to pick this and this like that's my job as the head coach I'm telling them what to do you know th this is the reason why they're going for it so I, I, didn't, like, I didn't have a huge you've, you've with stolen it. Charles's rant <laughs> no, no, no 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 I mean my rant is purely to wind you up and I mean I I'll, I'll be honest if in the modern day NFL it makes logical sense if two teams are guaranteed in overtime to have possessions, or even if the first possession results in a touchdown, it makes sense to know what you have to do. And therefore, given the propensity for two-point conversions, I can totally see why actually teams would defer. And so that was that point was made in our chat. And I mean, I'm going to use it as a tool to bash you here because it's good fun and that's why I'm on the podcast. However, I think, you will see teams edge towards that. I, I agree. I think you I will. I think it may well depend, as you said quite rightly, um, on which team has the ball last, perhaps, in regular play. But you know in regular play um, that the team that possesses last has a probably a better chance than even of winning the game. How many game-winning field goals do we see every season? Dozens and dozens. So... You know, I go back to my point, actually, that the one chance they had to kill the game completely before overtime, they didn't take that opportunity to, to lock Mahomes out of not having the ball again. I think that's a viable situation there that they, they will regret. But the overtime decision to take the ball and not defer, yeah, it's a coin flip if you want to make it a coin flip. But I think in the modern day NFL, you're seeing so many two-point conversions made successfully. That, I mean, offences have got plays coming out of their ears. Do you know, you would rather have that option than not. So I think, uh, you, sorry, Paul. I know Paul, Paul's shaking his head here. <laughs> you, you'd rather have the option than not, fair enough. But we, we are overlooking the fact that San Francisco scored a field goal and had the Chiefs on a fourth down. They had they were one play away from winning the Super Bowl. Mm. You know, it's, it's not like it was horrendous. Um, you know, the, the fourth and one that, that obviously Mahomes converted on, but you stop him there, you've won the Super Bowl. And he would have been hailed as a genius for doing so because the pressure of having to march down to definitely score because your opponents have scored brings with it its own interesting connotations. So I don't think it was a horrendous decision. Uh, I don't think they defended the fourth and one particularly well. No, they didn't. Um, you know, you're, you're I mean, also, the other thing is you are also giving yourself four downs in every... Possession, you know, you, you can play four down football the whole way down if if you're having to reply because you know you have to, otherwise you lose the game. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but conversely, that gives you the the defending team the chance to take you out as well because you know mm. you might start to you know you might throw something because you're forcing it you know in a different way as if you had the ball first, knowing that well if we don't get a a touchdown we can get a field goal. There's there's just different ways of doing it. I think I think they were right to take the ball. I thought they called it right to get the field goal. And they got into a fourth and one. They were a play away from winning the Super Bowl. I could be wildly wrong with this, but I feel like had we deferred and had Mahomes scored a touchdown and then we didn't, the narrative would have been, I think, that uh, Shanahan put his rookie or young quarterback under too much pressure, having to chase the game. I don't think it would game. have been at all because they would have pointed to the analytics. Well, I think... How can there be analytics on a new rule? Because um, there's any, the, yeah, no, but it's a new rule. Like, there's no, no real analytics. You're for not this. basing yes, it on results. You can, you can game plan anything out. 
Come on, let's. It's fucking twenty twenty four, Cameron. You don't. That like analytics it. is based on other factors from other things, not that situation. It's probability. It's the thing. probability of what's the best option for you to win the game. Yes, but probability best... ideally is based on historical. The rule, the rule changes are not so different from everything else, whereby you can't get very similar situations to compare it to. You compare it to a lot of like end of game situations and. All those different things. There's, there's I, I, I feel like I'm just kicking my headset off my head there. I'm, um, I'm intrigued, and maybe, Cameron, you can frantically Google it, but what is the percentage of two-point conversions over the course of the season? Because actually, okay. this is uh, that's actually quite a viable... Um, right, about six, 64% or something. Right, so... Let's that's say my guess. So, right, well, if it's two... So two out of three, two out of every three... two. The two point conversions are successful. With that in mind, if that's what head coaches and game planners are looking at, then to me that would seem logical that you would defer to give yourself that option to then score the two point conversion if you do have to score a touchdown in order to kill the game stone dead. That, I'm, I'm I mean, too high. So, forty forty eight percent, Charles. Four, so it's a basically a coin so it's less than half. So brilliant. <laughs> You've actually completely flipped that around. Now, I'm looking at something here, and I don't know if this is completely wrong, but it says that Kansas City didn't have a successful two-point conversion, uh, but tried one, and San Francisco didn't even try one. I could be looking at a completely wrong data set here. So there, I might need to they were two of the best, two of the best teams in the NFL, so they probably had less need to try two-point conversions, though. But the other thing, if if you go for the two point conversion for the win, rather than kicking the extra point for the tie, it ain't it is a fifty fifty shout. So you're still one play away from winning the one Super Bowl. One play away from losing. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But, but you you are that that close to it. You know, come, and you if know. you've all, but if you've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You fancy your chances, bottom line. Yeah, so neither. So that's an interesting point. I didn't even see neither team had a two point conversion successful in. The 2023 season. I mean, you're never going to know until you actually ask the head coach. Just game plan for that. Just on that though. So, if if the if you had it like league wide, so if you're what you're saying is the Chiefs, um, so the 49ers score a touchdown, the Chiefs score a touchdown, and the Chiefs decide to go for two. The Chiefs win probability if they went for two would be 48 percent, 50 percent, whatever the whatever the number winds up being there. However, their win percentage just going for the extra point would have been way lower because the 49ers then get the ball and all the 49ers need to do is score and they win so that's why you would do it in that situation because effectively it could, that, that's the whole point in this new rule right it's like the the Bills lost because the Bills just didn't have the football and not having yeah. possession of the football can cost you games so like that that's why teams in this situation would say we're going to go for it because 50-50 chance we do it here we, if we kick the extra point, we might not see the ball again and we lose. But again, the, to me, it adds to the theatre. I think it's fair that you know the team gets the right to reply first time round. I think that's a it, that it's a good is rule change. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great rule change. Um, and at the end of the day, if you're playing in a Super Bowl, you're playing in any game, and you've got a fifty fifty play. If you make it, you win. If you don't make it, you lose. You know, I, I'm comfortable with that. More than Try comfortable. Tell tell that to the Atlanta Falcons fans from about. Oh, I love I love to do that. <laughs> love to do that. It's one of one of my hobbies is to tell the Atlanta this, Falcons this, fans that. On the Kyle Shanahan thing, right? Like he took his lumps for the twenty eight three 
fair. He took his lumps in the last Super Bowl loss to the 49ers. Fair. I think a lot of what's being said about him this time is more because of those two losses than this one. Like, this was a really close game. They were right there. Like, if you're if you are the 49ers, your takeaway heading into next season is let's you know be a, maybe be a one year aggressive free agency moves let's you know because it's the final year before we're going to have to pay Brock Purdy properly but like this is effectively the roster we want to take and this is the game plan we want to take to to go into this next year so it, you know it's not it's just, it's similar to what I felt like after the Ravens lost the AFC championship game to them sometimes you just lose to you know the big dark force in the NFL <laughs> I I think the the problem with Shanahan is he's now going to get the reputation as that he can't win the big game. Marv Levy got exactly the same thing. Unfairly. Andy Reid had it. Andy Reid had, had it for a long it. time in the Eagles. Like if yeah. and I and I, do you know what? I'm gutted. It actually came out. A few people were chatting about it literally an hour before we started recording this podcast. But I sat and looked at it yesterday because I was like, I remember Andy Reid and people questioning him a bit. And if you go and look at what Andy Reid did, good lord, like. <laughs> If we're going to talk about choking in games, I don't think he choked at all. And we now consider him one of the greatest. Um, mm, I remember that Super Bowl that they played against New England when they finally got the Eagles to the Super Bowl. And his clock management stank that day. Yeah, absolutely I'm, horrific. His clock management still at times isn't great. Yes, it's yeah. just, he's got, he's got, he's the got quarterback Patrick Mahomes. That, yeah, he's got the quarterback that makes that a great equaliser. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think Shanahan's fine. I think he's still one of the best coaches in the NFL. And like, at, realistically, at some point, I think he will win. I, I would rather be a team in the NFC, put it that way, because you're going to get an easier you're, route. If you're a good team in the NFC in the next few years, you've got a couple of swings at it. In the AFC, it's just such a such a narrow yeah. path. Yeah, I mean, as we sit here right now, it's the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Packers are coming up, the Lions, the Niners, the Rams, if they can get their stuff together. And nobody in the NFC. And nobody in the South. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. But as things stand, I don't necessarily see a Super Bowl contender coming out of that division. Um, things can change. Well, I mean, we didn't expect the Texans to do what they did this year. No, you can never, you can never tell. I'd be, I'd be interested in what people thought of Kelsey bumping into Andy Reid. I mean, probably shouldn't have happened. Read after the game didn't seem remotely bothered by it, so I think if they'd lost, it would have been a storyline. Yeah, yes. So I, I was surprised. Caption competition off the still photo, mind you. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. I was surprised watching the the CBS broadcast. They didn't make more of it because that's the kind of thing that many a broadcaster would have done. I just thought they tried to gloss it over. Um, I don't think there's any conspiracy reasons behind it or anything like that. It just seemed very strange that neither Jim Nance or Tony Romo really bit into that a it little got, bit more. It got talked about loads after the game as well, though. Like, everything was... It's just yeah, it got, it, sorry, Gordon, I don't want to... It got talked about after the game, but to me that was a key narrative in the game because it was showing the discomfort, the disquiet that, that Kansas were going into. And I genuinely think they just brushed over it as if it wasn't overly important you know it's not something you see every day was i just not, find that was it not I around it about the same time as the green law injury though so like it's one of those things whereby that probably overtook it 
I feel like that happened either right before or right it after. It was. It was after the play where they came off the field. It was yeah. Greenlaw then celebrated it and pulled up injured. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. That, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting one. At first, I was like, oh, wow. Like, they're rattled. They're absolutely rattled. Um, I then went through a period where I was like, actually... Do I see that as that's the desire I want from my players? Now, you look at the fact that Reed got a fright, but actually, Andy Reed's a big enough man he can look after himself, and I don't think he actually would have. He would have just been slightly taken aback. But again, we've seen as well, Mahomes, when Mahomes got injured in the playoff game against the Bengals Mm. last year, um, and he was furious and wanting back in and shouting in Andy Reed's face. That's maybe something he's wanting from his guys. Um, it helps that Andy Reid's about 19 stone because he didn't fall yeah. over. If it had been Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel would have been squashed. But Pete Carroll wouldn't have taken that nonsense. I mean, imagine someone doing it to Belichick. There's no way, right? You do that to Belichick and you're in the locker room before there's ob- you there's even finish your sentence. There's there that Andy Reid kind of knows. I mean, he'll know <clears throat> Kelsey inside out in terms of what he's like as a human being and as a player. And obviously, he's got a rather larger profile at the moment. Um but I, I have to say, I thought he came over as a complete and utter prick, but that, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I, I, I don't think that's just, just based on, the, on Sunday he's, night, to be honest. Or Andy Reid, that's what 13 years in Philadelphia will do to you. You just get numb to people shouting in your face on a yeah. regular basis. <laughs> well, I also think, though, so it was interesting. Yeah, suck it, like, Eagles, you didn't make it either. <laughs> Kelsey's frustration was obviously like, he, he wanted to be on the field for that play where the fumble was. Yeah. And like the guy who was on in place of him, I think missed a block that led to. So that's where he was frustrated. And I'd, like Kelsey's full of bravado, you know, like loads of stuff before, after the game, all that stuff, the, all the Justin Tucker stuff, head yeah. AFC Championship game. It's just like it's one of those things. Some certain types of athlete, I think, have to have that attitude. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the successful athletes they are. And I think he's probably one of them. Yeah, I just, I just find. If you were to ask, it asked me at the start of the season compared to the end of the season, I quite like both the Kelsey brothers. Now I think they're both pricks. Just really, so that, that's really, really difficult to understand what possibly could have happened during the season that might have changed your mind. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's on field stuff. It's not the. I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure it you know. is. I don't no, dislike be... Jason. After that, I quite like Jason. Travis, I'm like. Uh, <laughs> so is, the... is that because you sort of allude to how Jason is at the moment? <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Did you see that? So, like. Swifties were posting the video of like Travis, like you know, nicely putting a jacket on Taylor Swift and putting it over her arms mm. as they're walking into a party, and then the NFL fans got it and were like, "Well, you're all looking at this. I'm looking at Jason Kelsey <laughs> in a Mexican chief Chiefs mask, like about to just collapse into a bush because he's absolutely hammered." Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like. I, yeah, I don't mind Jason. Uh, Travis, yeah, the noise is a bit like, oh, shut up. Um, but anyway, right. Anything else to say about the game? Because we need to get on to the important stuff. Trent McDuffie. Uh, MVP. McDuffie, McDuffie probably should have been MVP. I know why it was Mahomes, and yeah. it's it's fair because he's the quarterback, and he did bring it on. He late. did it at the end. He yeah. did it in overtime, yeah. But, like, save for one play, um, which was the, the whole defensive holding call, um, like McDuffie was just phenomenal. I think he was targeted like seven times in coverage. Um, yeah. Only gave up 
like two catches for nine yards I, and three I feel pass like breakups. The the Mahomes Kelsey noise has taken away from the fact that the defense has been legitimate, legitimately one of the best in the the league yeah. this year. But I think maybe the attention not being on them has helped them as well. Probably, like yeah. you, if that's the focus, and you're talking about this great defense and what they're going to do, suddenly you're under pressure. The focus has been on Kelsey and Swift and Mahomes and all that. So they could just get on with their business. And I think it's played beautifully into their hands. The other thing I did say is, had they lost um, the Chiefs, next year would have been all about the Taylor Swift revenge tour in the NFL. So do you know what? Maybe the content from the NFL producers can just go away and just let the woman watch the game in peace. She's not asking for the camera on her all the time. I don't you think it's going anywhere, given that they've just announced that this was the most watched broadcast I know. since the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things I wanted to see on the coverage. One, I wanted to see a reaction from her when her boyfriend messed up. That would have been funny. And the other one was those morons at Ellen Road playing up for the cameras. Why didn't we see enough of them? I, so I'll touch on that as well. I, I hate that content. Like a bunch of, let's be honest, guys like me, a bunch of fat, middle-aged Folk in NFL jerseys celebrating an, the first touchdown like a goal uh, you would do in an hour of football. And that's not what you do with... That's just not how you celebrate the touchdowns. Far too early. Well, let, let's Over not... the top nonsense. I hate I hate. It's cringy. We, 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 are, we are an all-encompassing, are an all-encompassing inclusive man. podcast. You know, there are people who will have watched their first ever American football game on Sunday night. And we have to remember we're educating millions of people around the world who are. are listening to us at the moment. So don't criticize the ignoramuses for celebrating in the way that they did. Be nice. No, I, no, be I think I think be nice. That's what Paul and I were on the BBC radio. All right, we were kind and nice to the idiots who didn't understand. Well, that's Paul. <laughs> Paul is nice when he's on the BBC. Like we get Absolutely. the filtered version of him. We get well. well we I'm, get no, his, I'm going to be. Get I'm going to be thought of the day. He gets no, no. thought of the day for his radio work. I, I'm going to be nice here. I think isn't it wonderful that we're not talking about the the officials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was re- really well officiated game. Yeah. They didn't call. I I don't think there was much to get like overly excited about either way. Like, I don't yeah. think there was a lot of holding on the defensive side of the ball. But it didn't even feel like they were letting them play or anything like that. There, there just was, wasn't a lot. Yeah. So there was every one... single play they cut to Taylor Swift. So yeah. we didn't, we didn't get to see the replays. We um, th- there was one half hold on Debo that I even myself kind of stood up and went I, I'm not even sure that that was and I sat back down again I was like fine it's no. <laughs> sure, to be fair sure. there was a good piece of content when she jugged a pint I thought that was quite good <laughs> yep. did, did, so, did, did you see that on the jumbo did, did the see that Paul's the jumbo not happy corner. about this but we're going to continue I, this throne. <laughs> so, so there's two two things I want to say first on the Taylor Swift front it's really really quite funny to me that so uh, Travis Kelsey is now going to go on tour with her throughout Europe, probably in Edinburgh when she comes to Edinburgh, London when she goes to London, all that stuff. The Swifties are not going to cry about the fact that Travis Kelsey is on the tour with her and they'll show him on the big screen in all likelihood during the tour because the Swifties care about it. But grown men claimed that they were going to not watch the NFL and there was conspiracy theories on news about the political reasons for it and all this nonsense. Oh. Jesus, um, and it and it yeah, you know, and it just 
but young girls who are going to Taylor Swift concerts and me uh, won't complain about the fact that Travis Kelce is going to be shown. The other thing, though, is the single best celebrity moment that I'm, I'm assuming was shown on TV and not just in the stadium was Jeff Goldblum. That was who great. Like, yeah, I saw who that. like he had never been on TV in his life before. It was brilliant. I uh, think... Big Jeff fan over here. Big Jeff fan. I'm actually looking, thinking about Travis Kelsey being um, uh, at Murrayfield. Paul, what was the name of that guy that had the airplane when you got that Nielsen sign ordered over Tynecastle? Uh, could you pass his details on? Because we could maybe organise something. What, what I'd like, to, what I'd like to say is, I'm going to volunteer to um, direct the concert, and every time Taylor Swift hits a note perfectly, I'm going to cut to Travis because he'll be dead worried she wasn't going to get that note, but she's got it, and he can celebrate in style with his groupies. That'll be magnificent. Right. We need to get onto this talk, the the serious subject now. And I'd like to confirm that um, this part of the podcast has been sponsored by the Paul Mitchin Music Appreciation Society as we turn our attention to the halftime show. Um, Paul, as sponsor, Mitch Master Mitch, (laughs) Um, uh, your verdict, please, on Usher and Friends. Um, Okay. Usher, I thought, was fine. I thought. He put on a show. That's what you want. I thought he put on a decent show. I had no idea where the extras from Tron came from. Uh, don't know why they appeared. That was just I weird. I don't know who it was. Ludicrous. Was it Seal uh, Green? Oh, was it Ludicrous? Right, okay. There was a guy that looked like Seal Green. I think Seal Seal Green might have been there as well, but Ludicrous right. was the first one who came out in the Tron right. stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a show that was fine. It was very Vegas, thinking. right? It was very yeah. Vegas. Um. <sighs> I think it just got too involved with with stupid costumes. But I thought he sung well. He moved well. I think he. I. I mean, Gordon would. You said in in the chat that I saw later that it it came across brilliantly in the stadium. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. unreal in the stadium. Like it was like a proper party atmosphere in the stadium. The crowd were absolutely loving it. Sounded good in the stadium as well. And like I I know enough of his stuff from like the nostalgia era things. Um, and he hit on like all the big hits. I I thought it was great. What impressed me was obviously if you'd looked at the way the camera angles were, the setup, he was clearly hitting his marks. He was hitting the camera angles, you know, so he wasn't just concerned about the stadium. He wanted it to look good. And he came across as a real professional guy um, who wanted to make it work. As I, say, I couldn't tell you one song from another, but I was impressed with, with him and the way he did it. Did you I- see that he got married afterwards? No, so I didn't he stayed think, in Vegas. I didn't think it was that chapel. good. Yeah, he was. He was that. He had that good a night that he went it off wasn't. with his girlfriend and got married in a wedding chapel. So he had a good weekend, and he didn't wow. get paid a bean. No, that's it. And I, I, I genuinely, I hadn't realised that about the halftime show. I didn't realise that they didn't get paid. Well, that, I think they get paid from sponsors. They get production. Works, right? uh, yeah, probably, and they get production and uh, expenses. Mm-hmm. Are we to NFL. assume that next year it'll be Ice Spice or whatever her name is um, doing the halftime show? I didn't even know who Ice Spice was until she wandered in with, with Swift. I think we're pretty close to um, getting a Taylor Swift halftime show. Uh, do, do you think? Yeah. And so the big, the big reason why she'd never done it before was... Uh, I think there's like a conflict of interest with Pepsi. Like I think she was sponsored by Coke or something at the time. Um, so now that it's the Apple Music halftime show, I think you'll probably next couple of years 
I wonder whether she'll wait until Travis retires. So there's no or conflict wait until of the interest. Don't get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, at least. Um, but then it's it's announced so far in advance that yeah. it's a difficult well, thing to ever I, achieve, I, right? I, so I don't think she'll be next year as well because it's New Orleans. So I think they're yeah. going to want someone um, like less poppy and country. I think it'll probably be. Maybe it won't be, but I feel like it'll be like another kind of R and B type um, person next year. Who did it in the last Beyonce because she took the lights down, and then she the did. Ravens took the Forty ers down. They did, yeah. Also losing out to a late play. This is um, let me tell you, the hours from three o'clock until four o'clock in the morning for me are some of the darkest and richest <laughs> uh, because my team loses and my betting balance increases, and it's happened the last couple of years. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, no, I, I I thought Usher was good. I didn't know all the songs. I thought it was a fun performance. It had a Vegas feel to it. It had that Cirque du Soleil element to it and a lot of that going on. I thought the roller skating was tremendous. Um, I thought the the woman falling off the pole and down onto the stage was most humorous. That's this year's Left Shark, right? Um, lots to enjoy. I didn't see anybody saying it was terrible, so that's always a positive sign. Um, I'm pretty sure pretty sure there's people in our chat saying it was terrible I will say though in all the years we've been doing this podcast that is the most glowing report from Paul in a halftime show yet it is yeah I'm impressed he's changed it's because he sponsored the the segment so he has to talk it up it just goes to show what a fair and balanced guy I am (laughs) Uh, Gordon I do have one question for you I mean you paid what $8 for water was it they're charging what $17 for Bud Light in the in th- the stadium, I think so. Yeah, it was it was extortionate. I got so at halftime, I did get a free burger. So so from so there's for most games, press are in the press box, but the Super Bowl there's too many. So there's the press box, and then there's what they call an auxiliary press area, where they take some of the stadium and they kind of build some desks. An and overspill, over yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's where we were. Um, so we didn't get access to the good stuff, the pre-game food and the proper spread at halftime. But what we did get access to was like you basically went in and one of the concession stands was like curtained over just with a sign that said Auxiliary Press. And you just snuck in there. There was like a burger, a chicken burger, a hot dog or something like that and free cans of juice. But before the game, we had to get water and it was $8 for a water. So very, very, yeah. very expensive. Can I just say to the NFL that the ticket prices they're charging and stuff like that stop screwing fans inside stadiums. I, I mean, it's genuinely despicable. They they really should be ashamed of themselves because I think somebody posted, I think, the four pictures of the, the prices for stuff. I mean, 17 bucks plus tax for a can of Bud Light or whatever. Have a word with yourselves. Yeah, and I do, I do agree appalling. with you. I, I totally agree with you, Paul. However... That is the standard going rate at a high-end, world-class sporting event now. I mean, if you go to any, and that's the same in this country, by the way, as you know, uh, for going to, to the big stadium in Edinburgh for Six Nations, you go to, you know, at, at the Ashes cricket pint. match. You go to they got open golf. All right, it's six seven pound a pint. And it doesn't. Everything. Yeah, but I, I'm not saying it's I right. Get, I get but it. It's that not, is it's, the standard now. It, just standard. because everybody sets a standard doesn't mean you have to follow that that standard. You know, I mean, Atlanta have shown in their stadium that they don't they don't do stuff like that. The NFL should be a little bit bigger. 
than that than trying to just rip people credit off. Credit to Atlanta. Well, oh, the stadium, the stadium, yes. Why not? Um, you know, I just, you know, people are paying thousands for a ticket, and then you just get screwed over inside. I, uh, yeah, it's uh, it definitely is at a like New York. I went to a Brooklyn Nets game a couple of years ago, and it was sixteen dollars. It was a big can of Bud. Like it was uh, not a normal kind of, but it was a big one, but it was 16 bucks for a beer. I'm trying to remember how much we played in New Orleans. I think it was about 12. Um, not, not even as much as was that. It not even as much as that. Fine. I t- not, can't remember, but. Not, not, yeah. And there's no need to do it. So therefore don't do it. Uh, last question I've got for Gordon is having actually been there, how much of the atmosphere does it feel how much does it compare to like a normal game in the NFL versus the UK games that we've got, which is a bit more of a party atmosphere with a, a scattering of people that are just neutrals? It's a completely different level. I have never felt like the electricity in a stadium that the Super Bowl had. Right. It was just like from the moment the stadium started filling up, and first it was 49ers fans in, so it sounded like they were louder. And then it was pretty much even by the time it got to like the actual pregame announcements and stuff like that. But like just the atmosphere for everything, for the for the game, everything going back and forth, like the press box, everyone's excited. Um, the, the halftime show, everyone was really buzzing for. Uh, and I didn't I didn't see any kind of trouble as well. Um, there was like some Chiefs fans having some fun at the end of the game and stuff like that. But I, I'm obviously incredibly fortunate that I didn't have to spend when people were spending, what, $10,000 and stuff to get to go to the game. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to go to a, a game again, um, but it was entirely... Anyone who does have the opportunity to go, if you ever do, I couldn't recommend it enough. Let's see what we can make happen next year. That's all I'm saying. I, I, we do... So we do need to find a way, like, there's... Getting this group on Radio Row is easier, right? Like there's getting tickets. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. The getting tickets part is so difficult. Like we we asked for six. Well, it, this was weird actually. So the NFL last year told us, "Oh, ask for more and you'll get more." That's that's not a problem at all. Don't don't worry about it. So we asked for six, and they then emailed me and were like, uh, "Last year you only asked for one. Now you're asking for six. What are you doing differently?" So I replied with a breakdown, and they replied, "All right, thanks, cool." So I was like, "Yeah, okay, we're getting the six tickets. Great." Next day, through the, the thing came through. Boom, no, you you have your ticket, and that's it. I think you can get like the you can be in the media workroom, and then I think you can technically get into the stadium, just not to a seat. So you could probably like be on like a concourse and stuff like that if you were, you know, being a bit clever. There is over eight thousand additional seats at next year's Super Bowl versus this year due to the capacity differences at Allegiant versus the uh, Superdome. So there you go. There Maybe we, go. we can squirrel a few of them away for our good selves. Allegiant is a cracking stadium, by the way. That's the only. It does look it. To be fair, oh. apart from what was the purpose of the flyover? Did you see the flyover? Like, did you hear it? Could you see no, the planes through the ceiling? That's, that's is it TV. as bad as Cliff Kingsbury wearing his sunglasses indoors? Yeah, I mean that that was for the TV's benefit, right? It was <laughs> stupid. You could afford a plane anywhere. Just to come back to next year, if only we knew the communications coordinator for the Louisiana Stadium and District and Superdome, if only we had a contact. Paul had been making pals in high places. Oh, he's dropping breadcrumbs already. (laughs) 
Bread and circuses, my friend. Bread and circuses. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you should listen to the song Mastermind by Taylor Swift. I think you would think it fits you quite well. Is that about the TV show? Yeah. Oh, let's dear. let's just say yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, see, see, you should have passed on that. That would have been better. Oh, it would have been good. Yeah, Does I see. Anyone have anything else that they want to add before we wrap this up? Grand. Right, just before we blow the full-time whistle, I want to take this opportunity to thank Loch Lomond for their ongoing sponsorship. They have sponsored our awards all season. They have sponsored our Pick'em contest and they sponsored our Super Bowl giveaway where we gave away a bottle of whiskey for each touchdown scored. It could have been an expensive night in the grand scheme of things. Only the four touchdowns, four bottles given away. Thank you, everybody that took part in that. We love you. Um, Loch Lomond, thank you. The season ain't done yet. Next week, we are going to have our end of season awards podcast where we get to wrap the whole thing up. Delicious. And we want you to take part. So keep your eyes peeled. There will be an awards nomination form coming out a little bit different, a little bit more specific. You're going to help us pick our team of the year, as well as some other nominations that we'll be asking you to contribute. Everybody that takes part will go into the draw to bin a bottle of whiskey. I was thinking we might give away more bottles of whiskey at this Super Bowl contest than we did. So there might be a few prizes up for grabs. Keep your eyes peeled for that coming out some point over the weekend and we'll get together next week but for this episode this is the full-time whistle thanks for taking the time to listen to this and every single one we're not going to talk about that super bowl ever again we're going to move on and um i will just edit out anyone that does otherwise and our congratulations of course to the san francisco 49ers for their wonderful <laughs> win in the nfc championship game and of course they fell at the final hurdle as always no champions are something Oh, exactly. No. Yeah. Put, that, take, put take, that in the bin. Yeah. <sighs> get get that wonderful NFC Championship trophy. Yeah, right up there Sign with your participation. Yeah, your participation medal for the Super Bowl. So, for Charles so... Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, Cameron Hobbs, and myself, Paul Mitchell. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Cameron Hobbs sounding like Bengals fans celebrating nearly trophies. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.